John chapter 15 this morning. John chapter 15. We have been in a study for a while now in the, in the book of James, and we're, we're coming to the end of that. We're in chapter 5, starting, Lord willing, next week. But chapter 5 of James starts off with, uh, Go to now, ye rich man, weep and howl and mourn for the things that are going to come upon you. And I don't know, that didn't fit Red Heart Sunday for me for some reason, so I thought maybe we'll, uh, we'll do something else today. And I want to talk out of the book of John a little bit on the subject of red-hot love. Let's read in John chapter 15. Start reading in verse number 9. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the privilege of opening your word. And I pray for your guidance and your direction. I pray for your filling. I pray, Father, for protection, that I wouldn't say anything I ought not today. I pray for boldness to say what I should. But most of all, Lord, I pray that uh, people wouldn't hear me at all. May they hear you. May they hear the Holy Spirit of God. Be our teacher today. May we have ears to hear. May no one leave this place having not heard the word of God today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today is Red Heart Sunday here at Friendship Bible Church, and it's supposed to be a bright and lively and uplifting service. It's supposed to be every good February is not. I don't know about you, but February is my most despised month of the year. I just, I would like to blot it off the calendar. I just am not a fan of February. We usually observe this day around Valentine's Day, but it's really not about Valentine's Day. I, I'm not even really sure why we came up with the name Red Heart Sunday, maybe because of the proximity to the day. But, you know, it never really was about Valentine's Day. It's not about that. It's about joy and happiness and brightness and life and encouragement and smiles and all that kind of stuff. That's what it's meant to be. Just put some color in gray, old, crummy February. Well, this last week, Beth and I had the privilege to, uh, to have some fellowship with a, a new friend, a new set of friends. A uh, young couple, they serve in ministry in, in Lima, I believe it is, and... Uh, we met them when we were up in Michigan a while back, and they are from my alma mater, and so we immediately had a little kinship there, and we decided we wanted to spend some time with them, and so uh, we went and we had dinner with them. During the course of the evening, somewhere, we described for them what we were doing here today, and that we were going to have Red Heart Sunday, and uh, they thought that was interesting, and we went on. And then at the end of the meal, we, uh, we were at a restaurant, at the end of the meal, we all went around the table and we prayed. And my brother started the prayer, and when he prayed, he thanked the Lord for our red-hot Sunday <laughs> and prayed that it would be a, you know, a great day in the Lord's house. So at first, I was extremely amused. I, I almost cracked up as he was praying. But the more I thought about it, I suddenly found myself getting enthused, because the fact is, I like his name better than ours. It is red-hot Sunday, and I think that maybe we ought to talk about that. Today, I had already intended to bring this message from John, uh, a message on love. And so, in honor of my, my new friend and brother and his renaming of our day, let's see what God has to say today about red hot love. God's love, which is red hot. Christ's love, which is red hot. And our love for each other, 
which ought to be red hot. We're going to use the Gospel of John as a launching pad today, and I confess to you this is not the normal way I preach. If you're visiting with us today, our normal method is that we would go through a passage, a book of of the Bible or something like that systematically. Today this is going to be a topical message and we're going to jump all around. We're going to start with John only because John is kind of the person who really talked a lot about the matter of love. Uh, He's the disciple that loved to describe himself, uh, not as a follower of Jesus, not as a disciple of Jesus, not as an apostle of Jesus. He liked to talk about himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. I suppose once he got hold of that truth. I suppose he once got hold of the fact Jesus loves me. No other title mattered, and that's the only one he needed to hear. Over and over we see him use that. John chapter 13, there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. He was talking about himself. John chapter 19, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Chapter 20, she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. And said to them, John chapter 21, therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. John chapter 21, Peter turning around saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following. So over and over, he referred to himself in that way, the disciple whom Jesus loved. I did a quick review of the verses in John. I found that there's approximately 30 times, 30 verses in John where love is a topic. Uh, Some of those verses contain the word love more than once. But at least 30 verses, and I didn't count 1st John or 2nd John or 3rd John or Revelation, the other books that this apostle, this disciple whom Jesus loved wrote. But I think we can safely conclude that the red-hot love of God is a topic that was very important to John. And so we're going to start right there. There's a lot of other references we'll look at, but we're going to start right there. I want us to think about those three things this morning. The red-hot love of God, the red-hot love of Christ, and the red-hot love that we ought to have one for another. First of all, think about that red-hot love of God. And, of course, right at the start, right at the start, probably everybody in the room, your mind is going to go to that verse that tells us God is love. He is love. It's a defining attribute of God. Some might even say it's his preeminent attribute, although I'm always hesitant to say those kinds of things. I'm always, I always think it's a little bit dangerous to try to assign values to the various attributes of God. Everything that is true of God is true in its entirety. God is love, yes. God is mercy, goodness, gracious, holy, just. He's omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. He's immutable. He never changes. All those things are true. And I don't think anyone is more true than any other. But nonetheless, some would say love is the preeminent attribute of God. And whether you want to go that far or not, it certainly is a defining characteristic. God is love. John said that. He said it in 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 8. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. He said it in chapter 4 verse 16. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So do you hear it this morning? Do you see it this morning? The God that I preach about today, the God that we all worship and love, is love. And because of that, he does love. He loves his son, Jesus Christ. John told us that in chapter 3 and verse 35, the father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. He loves those who believe in his son, Jesus. John chapter 16, for the father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. He loves the world, all of the world, 
even those who do not yet believe on his son. John chapter 3 and verse 16. We had to get to that verse of this topic, didn't we? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Soon, very soon, some of us are going to travel to the Holy Land. And one of the things, Lord willing, that we will do when we're in the Holy Land is that we will travel to what most people believe is the site of the crucifixion of the Lord. Gordon's Calvary is the name of the site. Golgotha. And we'll stand there. And we'll look at the very place, at least what most scholars say, is the very place where the blood of Jesus was shed. And we won't be able to help ourselves. Our eyes will go to the base of that hill and we'll look and we'll wonder just where, just where did that blood actually spill? Because it was there, it was there in that very place or very close to it where God proved once and all, once and for all how much he loves us. That was the place where he demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It was there in that place. Or very, very close to it. Very close to it. That uh, the red-hot love of God was shown. How in the world do we get our mind around a thing like that? How can the human mind comprehend something like that? How, how does somebody describe love like that? Hymn writers have been trying to do it for millennia. One man said, and perhaps he came the closest. He said, could we with ache the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above, would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. (laughs) Amazing, the love of God. The red-hot love of God. I know that on Valentine's Day some struggle. I know that some are single and wish not to be. I know that loneliness is very real this time of year. And always, when I think about Valentine's Day and what I would share with folks from the Word, I always think about the fact that we should remind those who are in that case uh, of some things. We should remind, for example, that there is, the Bible says, a gift of singleness. Some people, God wants to be single. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And so it may well be that God has gifted you with that. But you know what? Sometimes it might not feel like a gift. And on those days when it might not feel like a gift, on those days when that loneliness and feeling unloved might come, and holidays like this might cause that, you know what? There's another thing that you can remember. You can lift up your head and you can rejoice because even if there doesn't seem to be a person on the face of this earth that loves, not if there's, a, if there's not a person in the universe that loves you, which is extremely doubtful, by the way. But even if that's the way you feel, God loves you. What an amazing, amazing thought. God loves you, and his love for you is red hot. I love that verse, and we already quoted it once, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But you know what? Whenever I get, and somebody laughed at me the other day for using this term, but I'll use it again just for them. But whenever I get thumb-sucky, and I get a little bit down about things. Sometimes I'll just go to that verse, for God so loved the world. And I'll just, I don't think I'm changing the word of God in any bad way here. I'll just put my name in there. For God so loved Bill Johnson that he gave his only begotten son. Do that. Do that. God loves you. God loves 
Mark, God loves Debbie. God loves all of us. God loves you. The red-hot love of God. Well, let's talk about the red-hot love of Christ, because the Bible has much to say about that. I always love that little chorus. I think, I think there's great theology in that little Sunday school chorus we learned, and we all know Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Great theology in there. The red-hot love of Jesus Christ. You know, it's not surprising, is it, that Jesus, while he was on this earth, loved those who love him? It's not surprising while he was on this earth that he loved those who were his friends. And there's certainly evidence of that in the Bible. We see it all over the place. We see it in his relationship with Lazarus and Mary and Martha. In John chapter 11, the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Speaking of Lazarus, they were friends. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. John chapter 11, verse 5. He told his disciples on more than one occasion that he loved them. He said in John chapter 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. He told them he loved them. So it's not surprising, is it, that Jesus loved his friends, his followers, his disciples? But what is surprising is that he loved those who were not his friends. He loved those who were not his followers. He loved those who did not believe or even accept him. Consider the account of the rich young ruler. You've heard the account before. Mark chapter 10. As he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And so Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Did you catch that little phrase in the middle of that? Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Here was one who was like some. Perhaps some of you here this morning. He was interested in the words of Jesus. He was concerned about his soul and what eternity held for him. He was seeking, you might say. But he just couldn't quite get there. Like some, maybe some of you, he was unwilling to give up this life. He was unwilling to turn it over to Christ. He wasn't a believer. He was not a believer. He was not a Christian. He was not a follower of Christ. He was lost. And yet, it says here, Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that astounding? Isn't that wonderful? I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner, condemned, unclean. You ever think that way? Does your thoughts ever go to that? Or maybe your thoughts go more to this. Isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? Wonderful. Wonderful. Oh, isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? Wonderful it is to me. One man said Jesus loved without discrimination, without looking at our worthiness. And he proved it. He proved it, didn't he? He proved how much he loved you when he stretched out his hands on the cross and laid down his life for you and for me. In John chapter 15, he said, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. That was the proof. He loved us. 
and washed us from our sins in his own blood. We read that verse around the Lord's table this morning. He made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. He proved it. And make no mistake. Make no mistake. If you had been the only one who had needed that. The only one. He still would have come. And he still would have died for you and for you alone. I love the way C.S. Lewis said it. C.S. Lewis said when he died in the wounded world, he died not for men, but for each man. If each man had been the only man made, he would have done no less. So my friend, whether you're lost or saved this morning, whether you love Jesus or not, whether, whether you're on your way to heaven or you're on your way to hell, all you need to know is Jesus loves you. He loves you. He loves you to the uttermost. He loves you with an everlasting love. His love for you is never-ending, all-consuming, inseparable, red-hot. One more. Let's talk about the red-hot love of believers. The red-hot love that we ought to have, one for another. You see, my love for God, my love for Jesus, my love for you, your love for God, your love for Jesus, our love for each other, all those things ought to be, the Bible says, red-hot. Think about this first. See if this doesn't make it clear. First John chapter 4, Beloved, if God so loved us. And we've, now we've just described all these different ways God loved us. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Mm. If God's love for us is red hot, if Jesus' love for us is red hot, then our love for one another ought to be so as well. And that's not our natural state. I know that. I know that you look at me and you have trouble loving me that way. It might surprise you to know I have the same trouble loving you that way. That's not our natural state. As sinners, we don't love God. In our natural state as lost sinners, nor do we love Jesus Christ, nor do we love one another. It's not our natural state. We're more like Demas in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 10 who loved this present world. As sinners, we would far rather hide in darkness than turn to the love of God. John chapter 3 says, this is the condemnation. The light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So it's not our natural state. It's not really in our own strength something we can possibly do. Now the only way we can ever love God or Christ is to first accept his love. Once his love is in our life, then there is a possibility. When a person trusts Christ, when a person becomes a Christian, when a person is born again, the Holy Spirit of God takes up residence in his life. And then it's possible. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. His love makes our love for him possible. His love makes our love for Christ possible. And that Holy Spirit that indwells us makes it possible for me to love you and you to love me and all of us to love one another. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love. First thing on the list, love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All those things are the fruit of the Spirit. But love is the very first thing on the list. And so when we're indwelt by the Spirit of God as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we suddenly have the ability. We're enabled to love one another. And interestingly, now that we have been enabled to love, we're commanded to love. How can you command me to love? It's not my natural state. Because I've enabled you. 
is what the Bible says. And now that we have that enabling through the Spirit of God, we're commanded. First John chapter 4, this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Second John 5, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which ye have had from the beginning, that we love one another. Hebrews 13, let brotherly love continue. First Peter 2, honor all people, love the brotherhood. First Peter 4, above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Such love for one another is only possible. Because of the love that he has for us. It can only happen when we are saved. And when we are indwelt by the Spirit of God. But when we are saved, when we are indwelt, when we are thus enabled, it becomes a commandment. And the Bible goes even further. The Bible goes so far as to say that that, that love that we're, we ought to have for one another is an actual evidence of our salvation. It proves it. It demonstrates it. First John chapter 2, he who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness. First John chapter 3, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who doesn't love his brother abides in death. First John chapter 4, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. It's evidence that we are genuine and that we are saved. And that we are indwelt by the Spirit of God. Because we, we will love one another. So do you have ears to hear it this morning? Do you hear what the Bible has to say today? God loves you. His love for you is red hot. Jesus loves you. His love for you, red hot. And oh, how we ought to love God. And Christ. And each other. With that same red hot. There's some applications here this morning. There's an application here if you are not yet a Christian. If you are not yet born again. God loves you. God loves you. It's the absolute truth that you absolutely must accept and must recognize and respond to. Or die lost. And spend all of eternity in hell. God loves you. And so I wonder this morning if you're in that case. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. Have you responded to that? Will you respond to that today? Will you hear the one who is standing with outstretched arms saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love? Will you hear it and respond to it today before it is too late? Because you must. You must. There is also an application here for those of us who are Christians. God loves us. And we ought to love him. We ought to love one another. That's the truth we try to live up to as Christians. But you know what? We fall short of that. We fall short of it all the time. On the front of the bulletin this week, there's a picture which you might have wondered, what in the world that picture is doing on the front of the bulletin on Red Heart Sunday? Could have put a picture of a red heart on there. We could have put something red on there, but we didn't. We put that strange statue on the front. You know what that statue is? It's a statue. That's a photo that I took when I was in the Holy Land the last time. And it's a statue that, it, that depicts Peter denying Christ. And that little, that little Latin inscription at the bottom of the statue, which I can't pronounce, means, I do not know him. That must have been a terrible day. You see, the fact is, Peter loved Jesus. But on that day, didn't act like he did. I do not know him. 
Hmm. Thankfully, the story doesn't end with those terrible words. You can read the ending of the story in John chapter 21, and I encourage you to do it. But let me just pull up three verses out of there and just share how the story did end. John chapter 21, when they had, fin- when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? Remember, Peter had denied three times. So he was grieved when Jesus hit number three. And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Would you allow me to paraphrase this morning? I don't think I do anything wrong to the the scripture here to paraphrase this. You know what I think Jesus was saying to Peter? He was saying, if you love me, Peter, you'll get up and dust yourself off and get back to serving me. I think that's what he was saying. Some here this morning, I think, need to receive the love of Christ, the love of God for the first time. You've never trusted Christ. You don't know if you're on your way to heaven. You're not born again. You're on your way to hell. And he's standing with outstretched arms and you need to say yes. But some this morning who once professed to love Jesus have grown colder. Maybe even denied him. And if that is your story this morning, would you hear the words that Jesus said to Peter? Would you get up? Dust yourself off and get back to loving and serving the one who loves you with an everlasting love. A red hot 